I'm glad that you're here today. God is good, isn't he? And he's good all the time. All the time, God is good. I was encouraged this week to hear testimonies from many of you. We're texting back. Thanks for replying. A few of you emailed as well and just sharing how God has been working in your heart during this time. Several have shared how God has encouraged them through specific passages of Scripture. Others have shared how God has encouraged them through somebody else in the church that had them over or fellowship together. Others were encouraged uh, because they got to be with some family. Now, this was really encouraging to me. Uh, Jeannie texted me and said, I got to hear my brother pray for the very first time. What a blessing. He just accepted Christ not long ago, and she got to see him for the first time in months, and she says, the first time I've ever heard my brother pray. Isn't that a blessing? God is doing good things all the time. And while we go through some difficulties and while we go through some challenging times, and these are challenging times and we need to be sober about them and think clearly and, and uh, be careful and caring for others and all those things, but let us not stop praising the Lord for all that He has done. And I think it's so important just as a, as a child of God to take that time daily, I would challenge you to do this daily, to just pause and say, what did God do today? What did I see God do today? What did he teach me in his word? What, what uh, did he do that I could see that encouraged me? What can I praise him for? Whether it's safety as you traveled from point A to point B, whether it's your health that you were able to get out of bed that day, whether it's the job that God has given you, everything we have comes from the Lord. And I've been encouraged even of those uh, one, one shared and said, I'm encouraged because even though I lost my job, God has uh, provided for us in special ways, and uh, God has used this time in our family's lives. So just testimony after testimony of God's goodness. Thank you for sharing those, and if you have things that you'd like to share, please keep sharing them. I'd like to be able to encourage the rest of our church with those, and so as you see God at work in your life or in someone else's life that you know of and you'd like to share that, please do so. Well, we are glad to have you here today. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to bless our service because we don't want to go any farther without God's help. We need Him for every step of the way. And then after prayer, uh, James is going to come and read to us from Psalm 92. And there's going to be a lot coming at you this morning from the psalm being read to the songs being sung to the brass specials to the preaching. And you're going to be receiving a lot of information. You're going to be encouraged and challenged by God's Word, so I encourage you to slow down, quiet your hearts, quiet your minds, and let's ask God to work in our hearts this morning. Father, we thank you for this day. It is a blessing to be together and worshiping you. Lord, there have been some challenges over these last few weeks and months, and some concerns, and for Americans, even concerns about their freedoms and what's going to happen and what are we going to do, concerns about our health, how is this virus going to affect us, and Lord, we know it has affected people in very deep and substantive ways. Lord, we know some have even died from this. But Lord, I think this morning of our brothers and sisters in Christ who have worshipped you, some for generations, in places around the world where they've had to do so in secret. 
where to gather and worship you has been to risk their lives because of oppression, because of evil leadership. And Lord, I'm thankful that you are worthy of our praise this morning. Lord, it is worth it to come together to worship you. It is worth it to sing your praises. It is worth it to hear your word as it's preached because, Lord, we are nothing without you. And we need you to speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, you've already started that. You, you were doing it in the 830 service, and we have no doubt but that you will continue that now at this time as well. Help us this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Wonderful singing. What a blessing. We're going to take just a moment and take up a love offering for our friends from Southland now. So our boys are going to come through. You don't have to pass the plate, or you can give online if you like, and uh, we'll have a chance for that. We'll have our regular tithes and offerings at the end of the service. And then after this offering, we're going to dismiss our boys and girls out to their junior church time right through the double doors over here to my left, to your right. And uh, so we'll do that. I'm thankful for, go ahead and Come on, guys, we can go ahead and do this offering right now. I'm thankful for all that we just heard sung about, about our Lord, about what He's done for us, and dying on the cross, uh, creating us. He's in control of all things. We've just been reminded so much about the character of God this morning, and we need to be reminded of those things on a regular basis because we need to keep our focus in the right place. I'm really excited this week. Uh, to have our camp here, our day camp with our young people. I think we have 26 or 28 signed up for that and a number of adults helping with that as well. And I'm going to meet with the adults that are helping with that after the service this morning briefly. So 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, and we'll be kicking that off and it'll be a great time. Micah and Malachi that were up here singing, uh, they, the brothers here, They'll be doing the speaking, one for the junior camp, one for the teen camp, so I'm excited for them. Is this your first time to get to do a camp together with your brother? I mean, it's a lot of firsts for you, and so that'll be fun for these guys, I know, to get to serve together as brothers, and we're excited for our young people to be challenged from God's Word several times each day for the next several days. It's always a great time for them as we get to focus on God's Word together. And of course, we're going to have a lot of fun. I know there's a freezer and fridge full of food in there. I've got all kinds of games and prizes in my office. So we are, we are, we're going to turn into summer camp here for just one week. And Wednesday night, you're going to get to be a part of this. So you say, well, I don't have a kid there. I, I, I uh, don't have any children, whatever. You come join us Wednesday night. We're going to have a special service together here. The boys and girls, some of them are going to sing. Uh, Lord willing, even quote some scripture and do some different things that they'll be working on this week at camp. So 7 o'clock Wednesday night, you'll get to be here for our Wednesday night camp service. And then after that, we're going to have some ice cream and then come back in and we're going to do our best to try and make you laugh. Okay. And so I always say, just come ready with your courtesy laugh, because if it's not funny, just laugh anyway and make us feel better about ourselves. Like we need that anyway. But no, we're going to have a good time together and a little camp fun time and fun for our young people and hopefully for you as well. And uh, come ready for some good time together around the word and also be able to laugh together as we enjoy some good fun on Wednesday evening. Well, boys and girls, we're ready to dismiss you out with Brother Josh, Miss Anna, 
and uh, others I know that are helping with them. And you guys slide on out there. We're going to have Brother Mike come and preach for us this morning. Take your Bible. I already know where he's going. Isaiah 40. And uh, I just be ready to receive what God has for you this morning. It's a great message. Mike. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Will. We're so excited about what God's doing here at Rise Baptist Church. It's really thrilling, and uh, we love your pastor, and, and uh, we uh, love his family, and we appreciate you guys so much. And uh, man, it's just uh, a lot of memories flood through our minds when, we, when I'm with Will and with Alan and, and uh, others who have served with us at Southland. It's just uh, time gets away from us, doesn't it? And, uh, but a lot of great memories of the times that we spent together serving at Southland. And, uh, and now he's one of the guys I, I talk about at camp, you know, was, who was a camper, who was a staff member, who was a, a sponsor. So that's pretty cool. Um, he, was, he was all of that through Southland Christian Camp, and I uh, and, uh, appreciate uh, he and Alan, um, especially in the Cover family, appreciate all of y'all. Well, we're going to Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 uh, for this morning's message. This is one of my favorite texts of all the scripture, and I, I would encourage you, we don't have time to read the entire um, chapter this morning, but I would encourage you today as you should do every week, is take what you hear in the morning service and go home and meditate on it. It would be good to read this chapter slowly and to meditate on all that God is teaching us through this text. I'll do the best I can to share what I believe is the theme of the, this, this uh, section of Scripture in this, in this book of Isaiah. Now, if you were to categorize the book of Isaiah into two sections, generally theologians would categorize the first section as to the government and the preparation of the government or the throne of God, and then the second section would begin at Isaiah 40 when it, in reference to the prophetic nature of the Lamb of God or the grace of God that's going to come, and really those who, who missed the idea of the Messiah missed the plain prophecy in Isaiah because those that were looking for a, an established earthly kingdom was not what God was intending, though that's what they often had in mind, and yes, still many, many Jews today still have that in mind, that God was setting up an earthly kingdom. But God was actually prophetically in the book of Isaiah prophesying the Messiah who would be slain in his grace as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. And as you know, in the New Testament, um, John the Baptist comes on the scene, and what does he say? Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Some of the greatest prophetic texts in the Old Testament about the Messiah and his death. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every man to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And this is, the, this is a great study as we reflect upon how clear God laid out the fact that Jesus was going to come. If you're ever talking to somebody about the gospel and talking about Jesus Christ, going to the Old Testament prophecies and showing how they were perfectly fulfilled in Jesus Christ is a great way to apologetically or to defend your faith in the midst of this postmodern culture. But here in chapter 40 is the beginning of that section of comfort that the promise is going to be fulfilled, yet it hadn't been yet. And he, he focuses in, especially in verse 31, on this idea of waiting on the promises of God, waiting on the Lord. Our text this morning will be verses 25 through 31, and then we'll refer to um, many of the other places in, the, in this chapter. But let's look together at verse 25 of Isaiah 40. The Bible says, To whom then will you liken me, or shall I be equal? Have you ever been around somebody that uses rhetorical questions a lot? My wife uses rhetorical questions. 
I, I, I usually know if she asks a question, it means I already know the answer, right? <laughs> and I appreciate that. She's like, I don't really want to tell you what to do, so I just asked the question, right? Do you want to go to Starbucks? <laughs> yeah, any of you husbands know what I'm talking about, okay? And I'm like, yeah, no, yeah, let's go. And I really do want, want to go to coffee. I love coffee. But he uses a lot of rhetorical questions in this, in this chapter. And as you study it, hopefully later, meditate. And a rhetorical question is, is um, if you were to look up what a rhetorical question is about, is one for which the questioner does not expect a direct answer. In many cases, it may be intended to start a discourse or as a means of putting across the speaker's or author's opinion on a topic. So what he's doing is he's, he's assuming the answer, right? So let's assume the answer together. To whom then will you liken me or shall I be equal? Nobody. That's the assumed answer, right? And thus the discussion. Lift up your eyes on high and behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number? He calleth them all by names by the greatness of his might. Speaking of the stars, he calls them all by names. For that he is strong in power, uh, one little note, is if God has named and is watching over all the stars, don't you think he can take care of you? Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord? Can we put our names in there? Why, my curbster, do you speak and say your, your way is hid from the Lord? Put your name in there. Put your family in there. Put your church in there. Put America in there. We can, we can say he's speaking to the nation of Israel, but he's speaking individually and corporately and collectively. God has everything under control. He, he's not taken by surprise by what's going on he, to them and by inspiration of Scripture to us. So why do we say, my way is hid from the Lord and my judgment is passed over from my God? God has forgotten me is kind of the idea that Israel was saying. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? What a great rhetorical question. You ought to know that. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Please read out loud verse 31 with me. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. I want to focus in on that first phrase, they that wait upon the Lord. And the title of the message this morning is simply this, worth the wait. Have you ever been to a restaurant that when you got done with the meal, you thought to yourself, that wasn't worth the wait? <laughs> Young people, have you ever had an experience, most of the time it's Christmas break or summer break, and right now everybody's on break, but, um, and it's waiting for the next break. That was what I remember as a kid. It was always waiting. The vacation was put on the schedule. Dad and Mom said, hey, we're going to go to wherever, Disney World, or we're going to go to the beach. And I remember having to wait and how hard it was to wait. Ever had, ladies ever had a baby? You had to wait. I remember as, as uh, my wife and I got engaged, we had a year-long engagement. It was agony to wait. Recently, I was talking to somebody that just got engaged, and they're like, oh, it just seems like it's, the wait is so hard. I'm like, it's one year. That's easy for me to say now. It's one year. And when you get married, you're going to have life together. So it's worth, definitely worth the wait on that one. That's for sure. We all have periods and things and, 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 and circumstances and things that happen where we have to wait. We wait for our finances to mature. We wait for interest to get better. We wait for our house to be paid off. We wait. Everybody waits for everything. All kinds of places 
where we wait. God calls us to wait. One is said about this passage of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 40. Consider, then, the absurdity of losing faith. The opposite of waiting is losing faith. Consider how absurd it is to lose faith in one who, in relationship to the earth, is all-powerful, all-wise, dominant, with no God to challenge him, check or rival him, king of kings, sovereignly in charge of this world to the smallest detail so that everything is in its place and nothing is overlooked and nothing is lost. Consider how foolish and absurd it is not to have faith and trust and wait on him. I want to show you today that it's worth the wait to wait on God. And then I want to answer this question. What do I need to do? What do you and I need to do as Christians to prove in life that it is worth the wait to wait on God, that it is worth the wait? Do you believe that it's worth the wait? How do I prove that by the way that I live and from this text? I want you to notice, first of all, the first thing I see in this text in Isaiah 40, remember this comforting Lamb of God passage where they're waiting on the promises and the fulfillment of those promises, and we still wait for portions of that fulfillment in eternal life in a place called heaven. We, thankfully, have experienced the Messiah. We, we know that He's come, Jesus, the Savior of the world, and if you're here today and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, praise the Lord for that. If you don't, you need to wait no longer. The Messiah has already come. Your restoration, your redemption, your reconciliation is available, and you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior so that you too can have a home in heaven. But these people were waiting for the fulfillment of God's promises of the kingdom, which were going to be fulfilled through the Messiah. And he emphasizes some things that they needed to do in order to wait properly, in order to prove that it's worth it, to trust God. And the first thing I want you to notice is if we're going to be like these people and fulfill the challenge that Isaiah gives, then number one, we need to first admit the tendency of man. We need to admit our own tendencies. What do I mean by that? What are, what are our natural bents in our frail human nature? What we have to fight against and war against. And this is clearly in this text. And I want you to notice, first of all, in verse 18. Look back at verse 18. It says, To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness will you compare unto him? And there's an assumed answer there. Nobody can be compared to God. But there's also an assumed tendency. We oftentimes elevate things to God-likeness in our life. And so the first tendency that I think we have to acknowledge if we're going to live as if it's worth it to wait is we have to acknowledge the tendency of idolatry in our life. Now, probably nobody in here has a statue in your, in your house that you actually bow down to. Now, there are places in the world where idolatry of that sort is still very, very applicable. I mean, you go to places uh, where they have the giant Buddha, right? And you have all kinds of idols, and, and certain religions have hundreds and, yet, yet, yes, even thousands of gods that, that they've elevated over God. And you say, well, I don't, I don't worship other gods like those, uh, those uh, false teachings, but don't we, as even God's people, sometimes elevate other things more important than God? And so we can actually have a tendency in the world to set other things up as bigger and better and more of a priority in our time and in our thoughts and in what we, our focuses are than God. Can I just say very boldly, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I have a tendency, you have a tendency 
And that tendency is to let other things be more important than God. And I'm saying to all of us, nothing should be more important than our God. The knowledge of who he is, what his word says, and obedience to his will. That is true worship of God. But in order for us to prove that it's worth the wait, we have to recognize that tendency and fight against that tendency. Is there anything that's more important to you than God right now? Boy, we, can, we could camp there a long time. We could even talk about how do we know that? Where do we spend our time? What do we think about most? Where do we spend most of our money? What do we, what's our focuses? What, what keeps us from church? What keeps our mouth shut when we know we should talk? Look, God should be the supreme focus of our life, and we need to know the tendency of idolatry if we are going to walk in a way of waiting and showing that it's worth it. But the second tendency is not only of idolatry, but that of doubt. Look back at verse 9, please, with me. It says in verse 8, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of, word of our God shall stand forever. Verse 8, that's a great verse that's also repeated in the New Testament. O Zion that bringeth good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem that bringeth good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, read the last three words. Behold your God. Now, he wanted them to behold him because they were doubting him. They didn't think that the promise was being fulfilled. And we can oftentimes live this way. In the mess of the world, in the stress of the situation of our government, economy, and the world, and all that we're facing, oftentimes we can lead a life of doubt. God, are you really in charge? God, are you really doing what you're supposed to be doing? And we can literally doubt God. That happens oftentimes when we have experiences that humanly we don't understand. Trials of life, physical difficulties, financial struggles, loss of job, right? All, a lot of things like this are happening right now to a lot of people. And it's not just during the pandemic that we face trials, but those trials are used of the devil to cause us to doubt God, lack in trust. But they're, caused, they're given by God, and he's in control of them to make us better. More like gold. We'll say more about that in a second. But it's our responsibility to recognize our tendency. Our tendency is to doubt God. And I say to us, behold your God. We'll say more about the character of God in a second. But in those times of doubt, we need to rise to think about who God is and trust in him. But we have to admit the tendency of our doubt. What about the tendency of fear in verse 27 when it says, my way is hid from the Lord? That's, a, that's an attitude of fear there. And boy, we have the emotion of fear all over us in our day. It's almost like the media is capitalizing on that, right? And they want everybody to be fearful. And I believe in some, way, in some cases that's very intentional um, by, our, by the media in our, day, in our day. But we have no reason to fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It's very clear scriptural teaching. Be not afraid. Though you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Though the floods sweep over you, I will, be, I will sustain you. God will sustain you. You do not need to fear in the sense of fretting, worrying. Now, we are to fear God, which is a totally different word. Reverential awe, a respect of God, an understanding of who he is. So we're not talking about don't fear God. We're talking about don't fear man. Don't fear the plague. Don't fear the situations of life. We have an understanding that that is a natural tendency for all of us, isn't it? I know I found myself many times over the last several months, and it seems like it keeps dragging on and on and on. Fearing, like, God, how are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? What, what's going to happen to our ministry? What's going to happen to my family? What, et cetera, et cetera. Have you, 
Nod with me if you've had any of that tendency, <laughs> okay? I think most of us, if we're honest, will recognize we have that tendency. And I think it's very important to recognize our human frailty and our natural tendency so that we can war against that. And fear is one of those things. What about faithlessness or what I would call the denial of the truth? It's very clear in verse 30 that they were trusting in themselves, not in, in God. Even the youth shall faint, Youth shall faint and be weary. If you study that verse, he's talking about there are people out there that it looks like they're prospering. It looks like they're trusting in their own strength. It looks like they're, they, they can, nothing's going to phase them, though, that type of an attitude. And they were deceived that, that, they, that their strength was going to be enough. He says, no, your strength is not enough. You're in your weakness. He is made strong. And so we need to recognize how weak we are, how frail we are, how self-deceived we are, how sensual we are. And the natural tendencies of man will drive us to understand that it is worth waiting on the Lord because we cannot do it. We cannot live any life, much less the pandemic life, without God on our side. And we need Him every single day. So I ask you today, have you forgotten your own tendencies? Are you living in idolatry, fear, doubt, self-denial, self-deception? Is there a change in your life in one of those areas that you need to recognize today in order to show and prove that it is worth waiting on the Lord? But the second thing I want you to notice today is not only to admit your tendencies. One brief thing before I move on. Obviously, if you're here without Jesus Christ, you have a tendency. And that tendency is sin without the Savior. You have no ability to live a holy life, live a satisfied life without the grace of God and His sustaining power in your life that can be received, as we sang about, through the cross. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. So, admit your own tendency, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But number two, I want you to notice, Christian, today, that God wants us to prove that it's worth the wait, so that we don't get to the end of life and like the end of a bad meal and go, that wasn't worth it. But we would get to the end of life and say, yeah, it was really worth the wait. Second of all, we need to acknowledge the truth about God and the truth about His Word. Acknowledge the truth about God and His Word. Admit your own tendencies and then uh, acknowledge what God is, who He is, and all that He's done. And this is so clear in this text. I, again, I'm going to encourage you to meditate on all the things about God that are given to us in this text and behold your God. I'm just going to give you a few of those very quickly, okay? First of all, there's a focus on the fact that He is the Creator. And some would say it would be the key focus of Isaiah 40 and that everything flows through the fact that he's in, He is the Creator, which makes Him um, the Sovereign and etc. So basically every other quality of God in this text is brought under the quality of Him being the creator, spoken, he spoke the world into existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, it, says, it says in several places, verse 26, who hath created the heavens? Verse 28, creator of the ends of the earth. Verse 12, who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hands? Who has meted out heaven with a span and comprehended the dust, dust in a measure? Who has weighed the, the mountains in scales? I mean, this is a great text about how unbelievable our God is that he could do all of that. We, we, we said, I, I mentioned the, about the stars when it says, who hath counted the host by number and has them all by name. 
who stretches out the heavens as a curtain. I mean, on and on, it, it, it talks about God being the creator. This is why evolution is so damaging in our, in our world and society, and anybody that believes in evolution uh, really is in, in deep waters, because when you start cutting down the creator, then there's nobody in charge but you. And God is in charge, and God is the creator, and he, it is real. It takes more faith to believe evolution than it does creation, doesn't it? And if anybody here or listening on live stream, if you have um, had that tendency to believe in evolution, can I say, evo try the Word of God, trust in it. The Creator, God Himself, made you. And that is crucial to everything in life. If you believe evolution, unfortunately, we live in a society that's adopting it, teaching it, welcoming it. They're throwing out creation and they're bringing in evolution. That's what they've been doing. That is a real problem, folks. God is the Creator. And if you can't believe the first verse of the Bible, it's hard to believe any of the other parts of the Bible. God created the heavens and the earth. And you know, we need to acknowledge that right now. We have a Creator God. He loves us. He made us. He fashioned us. It's pretty easy to see how intricate the detail is in our own body and in any other life form. I absolutely love nature programming. Do you? I like to watch National Geographic, Animal Planet, things like that. I'm intrigued by the smallest bugs and how they survive and how God made them, all the way to the largest mammals you know, and, and the largest living things, whether those be trees or whales or whatever. It's amazing how God has worked all of it together. How in the world could that just happen by chance? It's just, that's just foolishness, folks. Professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. And in a time when we are living in such a way where we want to make it shine that it's worth the wait, we need to shine the Creator God. We need to trust in Him. Second of all, He's not only Creator, but this text helps us to understand also that He is controller, meaning He is sovereign. Nothing takes Him by surprise. He makes no mistakes. Verse 22 says, He sits upon the circle of the earth. That gives Him authority. Stretches out the heavens as a curtain, spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell. The Bible is clear. He brings up princes and takes them down. Sets up kings, takes them down. Nothing's taking God by surprise. He's in charge. I can't fully wrap my head around that completely, but I believe it to be true. And that's the attitude of every Christian. In other words, can we figure out how God is in control of even the evil that takes place? Now, I'm not saying God orchestrates the evil. But he allows the devil, believe me, God could destroy the devil today. Right? Amen? Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. But the, the, but the God of heaven who's sovereign in charge is allowing the devil to do his work in the, in the world. And, and you say, I don't understand that. Good, because I don't either. I would like God to go ahead and destroy the devil, don't you? And one day that wily serpent, the dragon himself, will be cast into the, the pit forever and ever. I'm sure I'm glad I'm going the other place, right? But I can't wrap my head around how God is sovereignly doing His work even when evil is present in the world. Did you notice Psalm 92 that we read this morning? It's an incredible text. It really goes well with what, what we're studying here in Isaiah 40. And it talks about how our tendency is to look, remember the tendency is to look at the world and go, why, Lord, are the wicked prospering? And notice what he says is when they've blossomed like a flower, he says, just count on it. They're going to be taken down. They're going to be judged. They're going to be destroyed. And the righteous will be made fat. That's one place where fatness is a good thing, right? <laughs> and look, God is going to prosper his people. And we may not always see it humanly. 
But did you know that even some of the struggles and the hardships are oftentimes God's fatness in our life? It's God's blessing for us because He's shaping us, challenging us, and changing us. So don't ever question the controlling, sovereign hand of God. You know, in the time where we're, what we're all facing right now in our world, in our country, it is time to trust in our sovereign God. I've been praying specifically from the moment this pandemic started that God would do His gospel-saving work in the midst of this. And that miraculously, all across the world, people will start to, people that are unsaved will start to fear life, fear death, and that they'll be moved to try to understand the gospel, and that somebody will come to them to show them the gospel, and that they would be saved, and that all over the world, missionaries and churches and, 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 uh, and ministries will be uh, bringing forth the gospel of Jesus Christ right now. And as Christians, that should be our desire, because everybody's in fear right now. We ought to be faithful to share our faith and be willing to share the love of God. But mark it down. He is in control. And that brings great joy. It helps us to be able to prove that it's worth the wait. But third, he's not only creator, not only is he controller, but he's also counselor. Verse 13 and 15. In other words, he, nobody has to teach God anything. Hey, we need to learn from him and his word. He, he, it says, no one had to teach God, verse 13 and 15. There is no searching of his understanding, verse 28. Can we really understand the mind of God? I mean, it should blow us away. He's way past finding out. Whither can I go from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me. Thy right hand shall uphold me. The Bible says that he knows our downsitting, our uprising. He understands our thoughts afar off. He compasses our path and our lying down, and he's, and he's acquainted, listen, with all of our grief. You say, God's forgotten me. No, he's not. He has not forgotten you. He's your counselor in every situation. And he's given us his word so that we know exactly what we need to do and how we're supposed to do it and his spirit in our lives to direct our steps. So the word of God and the spirit of God gives every believer all the counsel they need to live life properly. Oh, we fail. Oh, we're, we, get, we get into trouble. But we can never blame God. He is the supreme counselor, and his counsel is always right. He is then the comforter. Notice in verse 1, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith the Lord. This actually was intended as a comforting text to the children of Israel that they could continue to wait and trust God and that God would be their comfort through the waiting period. And I'm so glad that God is our comfort, and he sent us a, another comforter, the Holy Spirit, that he can guide us through the difficulties. Look at verse 11. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. Isn't a shepherd a comforting uh, thing for the, for the sheep? In direction and protection, and that's what God is. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in the bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. He is our comforter. What a blessing. He's also the chastiser in this text. He takes care of the wicked and the idols. They, they will not prosper. There is judgment. is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. And God takes care of chastising sin. Verse 18 through 20 and verse 23 and 24. Let's just look at 23 and 24. That bringeth the princes to nothing. He, that, he maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. You see that? Yea, they shall not be planted, yea, they shall not be sown, yea, they, their stock shall not take root in the earth, and he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither. That's all God needs to do is just blow. And all the princes and the kings and the governments of the world just go to stubble. That's what he says. And the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. Whoa! 
That's incredible. He's the chastiser of the wicked. They're not going to prosper. Uh, the godly man prospers, Psalm 1 says. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. So we can take comfort in that, that he's the chastiser. But wait a second, he's also your chastiser. When you go the wrong way, he's seeking to draw you back, and he chastises those that he loves. Um, so he's chastising the wicked with true judgment. He's chastising the saved to bring them back into proper alignment with his glory. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. It's what, what a blessing that we have a God who's, who's our chastiser. I didn't understand what a blessing it was to have a dad who chastised me when I was two, three, and four. But now I'm 46. How blessed I was to have a dad who disciplined me. And sometimes as Christians, we're, we live like toddlers. We need, to, we need to trust and be rejoicing in the fact that we have a God who disciplines us because that's exactly what all of us need. And if you have no discipline, you're not a child of God, the Bible says. So there is a sense in which he judges the heathen, but it's different than the chastisement or the discipline of the saved. But yet he is the chastiser. And it's very clear in this text. And then he's the caregiver we're talking about. He hasn't forgotten you. He's the good shepherd, verse 11 says. He calls all the stars by name. So he's taking care of the stars. He's, the Bible says in the New Testament, he takes care of the sparrows that fall. Is there anything that, that God doesn't care for? In, in, in this life, God is the caregiver, and then He's the, our confidence. Verse 29, we can't trust in our power. He gives the power to the faint, and to them that have uh, no might, He increases strength. So what, what He's challenging us about is it's worth the wait because God gives us everything we need. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. He's the counselor. He's the comforter. He's the caregiver. He's, uh, he's our confidence. He's our power. God is available to you. And in order for you to show that it's worth the wait, it's worth trusting. Then you need to acknowledge God and acknowledge His Word as truth and live in it every single day. Folks, this is the time to rise to this challenge and to be become more and more aware of who God is. Our theme verse at camp is Philippians 3.10. Those that know it, say it with me. That I may know Him in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death. Now the Bible says that we are to know God and the people that do know God will be strong and do great exploits. Jonathan Edwards, that great revivalist, said that revival begins with a fearful and awful awareness of the presence and power and majesty of God. The revival will begin in our hearts when we begin to get to know God better. Acknowledge Him, and you will find it's worth the wait. Trust in the promises of God. All right, so we found that we need to recognize the tendency of our own heart and the frailty of our own life. Admit the tendency of man. Number two, acknowledge the truth about God. And finally, number three, we need to then apply trust in God. So it's, it's fine for us to say, yeah, we, we naturally go the wrong way. We naturally fear we're idolatrous. We, we're self-denying and sensual. And yes, God, you're the comforter, you're the creator. But ultimately, you have to then apply this into your life. And how do we do that? This is what the waiting is all about. I just want to give you a couple of several other texts that tell us to wait on the Lord. This is the idea of trusting, patiently enduring, resting in Him, trusting in, uh, in His uh, truth. And, and the Bible gives us this command over and over. Here's a few texts. Lamentation chapter 3, verse 25. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him to the soul that seeketh Him. Your choice to wait on God. God won't make you wait. It's your responsibility to trust Him. 
The Bible says, James chapter 5, verse 7, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Psalm 33, 20, Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Psalm 130, verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. In His word do I hope. One of the ways we expressly show that we're trusting in God is we are obedient to His word. Very clearly, Psalm 37, 34, Wait on the Lord and keep His way, and He shall exalt thee into, to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut out, caught off, thou shalt see it. I can't wait for that moment. When the wicked are cut off, that'll be great. I want them to be saved. But those that deny God, those who blaspheme, blaspheme God, one day every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. All the wrongs will be made right, and every knee will bow. I'm looking forward to that day. But until that day, we need to wait on the Lord. Psalm 62, 5. My soul, wait thou only on God, for my expectation is in Him. Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. I waited, waited. That's the idea. I waited patiently for the Lord. Uh, patience is a virtue. Possess it if you can. <laughs> Seldom found in women and never found in man. Amen? <laughs> Men? So we need that verse. Patiently, patiently. Wait, wait. <laughs> right? Because we're not naturally waiters. Isaiah 64, 4, For since the beginning of the world have men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. It's repeated in the New Testament, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Folks, we need to wait on the Lord. So I want to give you in closing several ways that I think day by day and moment by moment we demonstrate that we are waiting on the Lord. What does it require of us daily and moment by moment? I say that very intentionally. It's daily, but it's every moment of the day. There's a consistency, there's a continuance in the fact that in every way, in every family issue, every physical ailment, every financial difficulty, everything we see in the world, that in every moment we trust God day by day, moment by moment. So how do we do that? First of all, we acknowledge moment by moment, day by day, acknowledge His presence, His power, and His person in our life. We, are, we talk about that, acknowledging it, but that has to be a moment by moment. God's at the forefront of our mind. His Word is, is at the forefront of our mind. It's what's guiding us every single day, the person, the power, and the presence of God. Second of all, daily searching of the Word for wisdom and thinking for, for thinking and living. So daily and moment by moment, we're acknowledging and wanting the Scripture in our life, meditating upon it and allowing it to uh, fuel the discernment and the decisions that we make in the midst of a wicked culture. Daily and moment by moment, with obedience then to the commands and principles of the Word, Word of God. Daily and moment by moment, fighting the fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil, never giving up the fight. How do we show we trust in God and that it's worth the wait? By never giving up in the fight. The enemies of the cross of Christ, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we're warring the war as good soldiers in God's army. We sang a song about that this morning. Put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Daily and moment by moment, enduring and anticipating our future home, which is heaven, where we'll be forever with the Lord. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It's very clear that anticipating heaven is one of the ways we show that we're waiting for the Lord. We know that this isn't our home. We're just passing through. So daily, moment by moment, we're not getting attached to the things of this life. 
Folks, this is super important as we seek to wait on the Lord and, and apply our trust in Him. Total, day by day and moment by moment, total confidence in God and His Word. Total obedience to His will and His way. Courageously and obediently and emotionally being stable and girding up our mind, not living in worry and filtering everything through the biblical lens of Scripture. You say, wow, that's, that's a lot, right? I think all of that is wrapped up in trusting the Lord. So where are you not trusting the Lord? Where are you not waiting? Where are you not relying? However you want to say it, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. And in all thy ways, all means all. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Andrew Murray said this, let waiting be our work as it is his. And if his waiting is nothing but goodness and graciousness, let ours be nothing but rejoicing in that goodness and a confident expectancy of that grace. And let every thought of waiting become to us the simple expression of an unmingled, unutterable blessedness, because it brings us to God, who waits that he may make himself known to us perfectly as the gracious one. My soul, wait thou only on God. Now, notice the, the, the result of those who wait on him. Verse 31, look down there. This is great. Those who wait on the Lord... They will renew their strength. How many of you want more strength? Amen. Amen. How many of you know you're frail, but you need the strength of God? Wait on the Lord. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. You ever seen those, those birds? Man, well-known birds. Man, the, the, the bird of our nation. I love eagles. When I was a kid, I collected eagles. I had little statues of eagles. I had pictures in my room of eagles. I love eagles, and, and particularly bald eagles. They're amazing, amazing creatures, their strength, their agility, the way they can soar. And this is what God says he'll make of you. There's a lot of, in that illustration. He'll allow you to mount up with wings as eagles. And this is important. They shall run and not be weary. Speaking of this individual, they shall walk and not faint. One has said that the running is the exceptional demands of life when you have to really work hard at it. I think some of that's going on right now in most of our lives, right? Some exceptional demands. The walking is the standard, like the ordinary, mundane, daily grind. So in the running, the except, exceptional demands of life, you will not grow weary. In the ordinary, daily grind of life, you will not tire out. And I think this is much more than just physical tiredness and fatigue, because we all get there. I don't think that this means that you never have to sleep, okay? I'm ta it's talking about spiritual, emotional, mental, uh, uh, not just necessarily physical strength. God overwhelms you with the ability to accomplish His will in the midst of, humanly speaking, impossible situations. God can do that for those who wait upon the Lord. I like to refer it to that of purging gold. If you think about your life as being a, a hunk of gold, and you think about the fire that it's stuck into as the trials and the circumstances and everything that God's doing around us in life that's burning off the dross. Everything that God's doing is for a purpose to shape us into the image of Jesus Christ. I think we would all understand that and agree with that. And the forge, if you will, or the place, that's kind of life, but that's you in your trust in the fire that God is doing His purging in your life. And, and folks, it's important for us to recognize, as the songwriter Ron Hamilton said, when I am tried and purified, I shall come forth as gold. 
And there's a sense in which all of life is a trial because this isn't our home. We have a home that's prepared for us. This is, as C.S. Lewis put it, this is Narnia, right? I mean, I'm sorry, Narnia is, is heaven, and this is the, uh, the other place. And I tell you, that's, that's something we really need to think about is that God is fashioning us and shaping us and taking us in the forge as we trust Him. He's going to bring the fire. He's going to purge us and make us better through everything that we're experiencing if we wait on Him. All right, so we need to recognize, admit our tendency. We need to acknowledge the truth about who God is and what He says. And then we need to apply the trust. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He will strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. If you're here without Jesus Christ, recognize your tendency of sin. Acknowledge the Savior, Jesus Christ, the Messiah who came to die for you. And apply the trust. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And today can be the day of salvation for you. I plead with you, if you're here without Christ, you're not sure you have a home in heaven, that today would be the day of salvation for you. And then for all of us as Christians, may our hearts be encouraged today that it's worth the wait. We can get to the end of life and say it was really worth it to wait on our God. Lord, thank you so much for this wonderful text, for this tremendous truth that you are a God who's worth waiting on. We don't know what you're doing completely, although your word gives us some semblance of understanding that you're taking us to a better place, a home prepared for us. Your kingdom will come, your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Sometimes we're confused and in our human understanding we don't see it, but we want to still trust you. So help us to admit our own frailty, our tendencies. Help us not to live in idolatry. Help us to not be self-deceived. Help us to not have fear, not have worry. Lord, help us to acknowledge you as creator, comforter, counselor, controller, chastiser. And Lord, may we apply day by day and moment by moment internally and externally, may we apply the truth of trusting and waiting on you so that we, through our lives, may prove to you and to everyone else that it is worth the wait to wait on our great God. We pray you do your work in this invitation time. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Would you just stand quietly, heads bowed and eyes closed? I'm going to turn um, the service over and the invitation over to Pastor Will. But let's let God speak to our heart and respond in true worship to what we've heard today. Amen. You're standing to your feet with heads bowed and eyes closed. And this is our chance to, uh, our first chance here to respond to what we've just heard this morning. Uh, Mike's covered a lot of ground. There's so much in Isaiah 40. Uh, you could preach a whole series of messages there. Uh, but I hope that you've drunk deeply from the Word of God this morning, from the well that never runs dry. So as the piano plays, as God's been working in your heart, maybe that you say, Pastor, there's some sin I need to confess. I've been afraid. I've been doubting. I've been trusting in myself. Uh, I've even put other things in front of God. I've been guilty of idol worship. Would you confess that to him this morning? We've been reminded of God's goodness today and God's control, his plan, his purpose. Maybe been encouraged about that this morning with something you're going through, that God does have a plan, that he has a purpose, and that he is going to fulfill it. We need to wait on him to do that. 
And then here at the end, just those practical ways that we can take it as we daily remind ourselves of what God is doing, as we give Him glory for what He's about, as we dig deep into God's Word each day. Are you spending time with the Lord? Are you so caught up with everything else going on that you can't turn off the news, you can't turn off your phone, you can't sit down and stop long enough to pray and read your Bible? Oh, we need a closer walk with the Lord. The song Amy's playing right now is, Jesus, I am resting, resting in the goodness of thy love. Are you resting in him this morning? Or are you burdened down? Are you frustrated? Are you nervous? Are you afraid? Let's rest in him today. Lord, we need you. I'm guilty of trying to carry the load myself and stumbling often because of it. Lord, I need to find my rest in you. Lord, if there's somebody here today that's never trusted you even as their Savior, Lord, they're living a life that cannot be ultimately fulfilling because it's a life apart from their Creator and their Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray that they would turn to you this morning, give their life to you, Lord, help them to know this isn't uh, about starting a, a new religion, this is about a personal relationship with the God of all creation, the God who loved each one of us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. Lord, for those, maybe somebody here this morning, Lord, they've believed you, they've trusted in you as their Savior, but they haven't been living like it. Lord, encourage them today as you've encouraged my heart. Lord, I'm thankful for your word. You didn't leave us here uh, in a difficult place without instructions, without direction. You've given us your word. Thank you for it. And thank you for your Holy Spirit that has convicted my heart this morning, that has worked in my life today. Lord, I know you've convicted others as well. And you're there to bring the comfort and the help that we need. We love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated for just a minute as we wrap up our service this morning. On your way out this morning, I'd encourage you, uh, if you have your tithes and offerings, you can give there in the back. We'll have those plates on the tables for you. And if you still like to put in something for uh, the Southland team, for Mike Herbster and his family, or for the camp, make sure you just designate that on the envelope, and we can still make sure that gets to them. And we've put the connection cards back in the seats in front of you. What these are is just a way for us to... Uh, be able to pray for you, to be able to give you information if you need something, and that's a simple way for you to be able to communicate with us. Most of you, I think, are getting them. We send out weekly emails and texts and various things like that. Obviously, you can always reply to those emails, those texts, but if you're not getting those and you'd like to, make sure we get your information here. Uh, I'll, I'll do my best not to spam you. And you can always throw me in your junk folder if you want, and you won't get it ever again. But uh, 
if it can be a help to you, uh, take a moment, fill out your information there, and uh, we will try to keep you apprised of what we're doing and what is going on as we go forward. Well, as we, in just a minute, we'll be dismissed in a word of prayer, but I would like to, in about 10 minutes here, if we can, meet with our uh, workers who are working with junior camp and teen camp just in the classroom, just on the other side of the restrooms here, the first one on your right as you go down the hall there, uh, where the early risers class meets in the mornings or the youth group meets. So we'll meet just for a few minutes. I want to give you our schedule and run through a few things with you so we'll be ready for camp in the morning. Be praying for us as we get started with that. And if you can, be here tonight, 5 o'clock, as we continue a number of different classes and Bible studies that we're having right now as we grow in the Lord together. I'm excited about what God is doing. I, I'm not sure about what's going on in this world, but I know that God is at work, and I know that God is fulfilling His plans. I, I'm not sure what's even going to happen this week. Well, we've seen that, haven't we? It seemed like every week there's something new, some situation, and, and we look at that. What are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? Wait on the Lord. Walk with the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Our, our responsibility as Christians never changes because God never changes. And so we can continue to walk faithful with him. Uh, this world, you shall have tribulation, right, Jesus said. But fear not, for I have overcome the world. So let's trust in him. Let's go from here. Walking by faith, be a light. People need it. People need it. And when you're discouraged, and when you're encouraged, be in God's Word, right? Just walk with Him, and He'll give you what you need. He's got all the answers. We just need to go to the source for Him. All right, well, let's be dismissed in a word of prayer this morning, and we will be on our way. I'm going to ask, uh, Brother Simon, would you just come up here and close us in prayer from the stage? That way you can have the microphone. That might be easier for people to hear. I'm so thankful. Yesterday morning we had our, uh, our Aspire class met in the morning. And we had a couple guys out of town, a couple guys that had to join us.